Hi friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How is everybody doing today? Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time it is that you're listening. So happy to be back on the mic with you guys as always. How is everyone doing? I feel like this month has already flown by and I was wondering why a lot of my friends that are in big law or just lawyers in general are super swamped. And then one of my best friends was like, um, it's the end of quarter two. And I just want to know, how are we already almost halfway through the sixth month of 2023? <laughs> like, I just, I cannot fathom. Um, I don't quite know how we're already going into Q3, but it's my personal favorite time of the year. I love, like, September, October, November, and that is q3 going into q4 so we're 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 getting there um you know the summer months are here and while i'm sad that i have no summer travel plans in the works um i'm really looking forward to see if anything does come to fruition or does you know surprise me and to see where summer takes me because i feel like i've been talking about this recently but i just I, i have a really good feeling about summer and Actually, my second suite of the week have a lot to do with, at least my suite of the week has a lot to do with my summer. I have a couple suites this week, but let me see, do I have any sucks this week? Honestly, I really don't think so, other than the fact that my ankle is still swollen and I'm exhausted from the week before because there was so much going on. All of it was so fun that it was worth it. So I'm just tired, but other than that, honestly, I really don't have any suck this week, and I have a lot of sweets. Um, I got to go to Miami Swim Week. I had gone in 2021, but I didn't get to go last summer because of the bar exam, so I was really excited that I got to go this year. For some reason, it was split up into two, normally in July, but they did part of it in June, and some of it is going to still be in July. So I got to go to a few shows during the June part of Miami Swim Week this year, the Paraiso Miami Beach Swim Week shows, and all thanks to a couple of PR companies here in Miami, and it was just so much fun. Got to meet people, run into people from college that I haven't seen in years, make new friends, get all dressed up, go out with the girls, and just have such a fun time. I've honestly never spent as much time on Miami Beach as I have in my, in my life as I have in the last like six months but ever since I got a Soho House membership it's just that's like where I want to be like I want to go co-work from there I want to go hang out at the beach I want to just go have fun um and swim week was the perfect time to do that I got to go to some fun restaurants got to have some drinks with friends and just getting all dressed up it was a mission to find an outfit um the, the two nights that I went out I was supposed to go out for the Sunday night too, um, but I was just so dead. My feet were about to like give out on me on Saturday night, so I just couldn't do Sunday too. But I had a lot of fun on Thursday and Saturday, and I went out Friday with some friends too, and it was just the most fun, exhausting, but in the best way weekend. And I just I got to go to a networking event on Wednesday as well, so it was just, and Tuesday was my brother's birthday, so I literally went out every single night last week and then because Monday I went to go see The Little Mermaid which by the way great movie 10 out of 10 recommend so good it's very very well done um yeah so literally went out every single day of the week including Sunday I didn't go out out I didn't put makeup on but I went to my grandma's house and got dinner with her and then 
went to go see some friends of hers. I visited them with her. So I was a busy bee last week, but it was honestly so much fun. I just, I love that I have this energy and excitement for life and opportunities and just going with the flow. It feels so, so good. And I'm just in an era of saying yes to all the opportunities that come my way, because honestly, I don't know where they're going to lead. And that is, that's the beauty of where we're at in our lives. Another suite of the week this week was I got a couple of exciting brand partnerships. Um, I don't know if I can share them, but I got two. They're both gifted, but they're with big brands that I know could eventually become paid partnerships if they like my content and they like what I produce for them. And I'm really, really excited. I got the packages in the mail and I'm just so excited to play around with them. One of them is makeup and honestly, my go-to makeup looks have become very, very simple. Just bronzy eyeshadow and a really like bronzy glowy skin like finish on the face but when i was in high school i used to love playing with makeup and i just don't really do it anymore because in all honesty it's one it's humid two i have hooded eyes so all of the work i would do on my eyeshadow and eyeliner and all these different things then it would disappear when i opened my eyes so it just doesn't really work for my face um my eye shape but I, i'm excited to just play around with makeup again just for fun i like cannot wait so that will be being filmed i believe tomorrow because i'm going to dinner with one of my clients um so i'll have an excuse to dress up a little bit there and we're also going to the beach this weekend for father's day and the long weekend and i'm excited to just get some more sun and relax and spend time with my family you know spending a lot of time with friends and being out all over the city is so much fun but I love a good beach or boat weekend and chill out and just vibe. And to me, that like both of those is like the perfect way to spend the summer in addition to like a trip, um, which I think my family is planning a trip to Europe for next year, but nothing in the works this year. Although we are going to New York City for Thanksgiving and my birthday and we're going to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So I'm really excited for that. I may potentially go to New York in August for a lawyer conference. Um, I really want to go to the conference. I'm just waiting for them to give me the hotel rates, like the deals that they have before I book anything. But I I can't wait to just keep investing in myself, both professionally and in a business sense with courses and conferences and things like that. But also just personally, I, I've said before that journaling is not really my thing, but I am going to start. I started it last week. I got a new journal from Artifact Uprising, and which is one of the brands. Um, I've worked with them before, so I can share that one. Um, and I'm really excited. I used it last night, and I'm just excited to end the night with journaling. I've also been reading The 48 Laws of Power, so I need to read that. Um, I'm reading the Dirty Air ser series about F1, which... Is honestly awful but you know I like the characters I want to like the story but it's just written so poorly and it's not accurate to f1 but got f1 fanfic on my Pinterest yesterday though I will be reading that at some point um yeah things are going really really well and is there any other sweets um my brother got a golf simulator, so we've been playing some golf in the afternoons. It's a great way for me to take out my rage from work sometimes. And 
you know, my mom actually, her company has a cohort of recent graduates that they're being trained to learn different parts of the company and, you know, be wherever teams need them, wherever they need hands on deck. And since they're my age, well, they're, they're older than my brother, younger than me. So she's invited both of us to go to the events with them every once in a while and become friends. And we're going to go golfing with them. We went to drinks on Friday night for the Heat game. Sadly, they lost the series and so did the Panthers. But it was really cool to see them both be in the finals at the same time for the first time in history. And yeah, things are really, really good. I'm, I'm going to go to yoga um, actually, well, if I'm going to dinner tomorrow, I can't go to yoga, but I'm really looking forward to doing more yoga classes. There's a lot of free yoga events in Miami nowadays, so I'm excited to take advantage of those, and I just, I feel happy and, like, light and free and good, and I love this feeling. I feel like I have come such a long way. My businesses are growing so fast, faster than I could have imagined. It's been almost a year since I've graduated and started these businesses and to be honest I had no idea that I could be where I'm at today in such a short amount of time and I have so many goals so many things I want to do but I know I can get there and I have the right mentors and friends and support system behind me and that's all I could have ever asked for so things are really really good right now and speaking of being my own you know, boss and business owner and growing a business and support and doing all of these things that scare me, but I know are the absolute best thing that I could have ever done for myself. I'm super excited to have Amber Sabri on the podcast this week. She is someone who I think is like my age or a little younger and she has her own PR agency after growing up wanting to work in fashion and doing internships in PR and media and events and all of this experience she knew that if she wanted to have the career that she knew she could have in her head she would need to go off and do it on her own and she started her own agency at a young age in new york city and it is so inspiring to hear her story we had so much fun chatting and i think you can learn so much about the pr industry and what it takes to start your own business and how it can evolve so quickly into something that you don't even know is possible and it's just such a such a great conversation and such a great story and I think so many people get so much out of this episode and it's all about just knowing what you're passionate about and knowing what you're good at and finding a way to make a career out of it that you are excited to wake up for every single day no matter the struggles no matter the hard days because it's gonna get hard but it is so, so worth it, and it's really cool seeing your name as the owner and on all the business forms and networking and holding yourself out as look at what I've built world and all of that that comes with it. It is such a such an incredible feeling, and I love having friends who can experience that alongside me and be able to have these conversations and share them with you for any of you who may want to go on this path as well. We want to give you the tools to be able to do so and the support system if you need it. Um, yeah, I hope you like this episode. Please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to the show. Share with a friend. Tag us as you're listening. Let me know who you want to see next, who you want to hear from, topics. Let me know. This is for you first and foremost. It feels so good to be back on the mic every single week with you guys. 
sharing these stories and letting you guys know how I'm doing and what is going on in my life, but nothing gives me greater joy than getting to share these conversations with you guys. So it really does mean so much to me that you guys listen every week and I want to make it all for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. Meet Amber. So Amber, what's something that people wouldn't know about you just from following you? Oh God. Oh my God. I wasn't expecting this conversation. Everyone says that. It's called Let's Get Candid. We're going to get candid. I guess that's really true. If you follow me, what's something people don't know? I mean, yeah, my hobbies are watching reality TV and then like social media, but like not to be a content creator, but just because that's my creative outlet. Maybe that's something. People don't realize that my Instagram, TikTok, although embarrassing presence is actually like my creative outlet hobby. I've always been a creative person. My mom drilled arts and crafts into us. Like we're bored, do an arts and craft. You want to remember something? Start a scrapbook. So Instagram kind of started as, it was my Finsta in college actually, because everyone was always like, well, you got to post like the Instagram worthy pictures. And I was like, well, I just think this picture is cute. So it started as a Finsta and then it grew from there. And I was like, wait, social media is so much fun. I want to post on it. I just want to post pretty pictures. So I guess that's something people don't realize. It's not to kind of be a content creator, although it is kind of fun. It's more so like if I don't know how else I would be out there giving out my creativity. I don't know where else I would put it into. Yeah, I think that's actually a good one. Yeah, I I, I love that it was your Finsta in college. I think <laughs> I, I never had a Finsta. Like I created, it's not a Finsta. It's just like a my private account that only like friends and family follow for more like content that would go on a Finsta or really just like things that I want to share that I don't necessarily need 4,000 strangers to see. But I never had a Finsta and I'm really sad that I never got into Finsta. Well, mine kind of switched because I had one that I've had since like seventh grade when Instagram first came out. And that's the one that I still have. But you were in seventh grade when Instagram came out? Yeah, I think I was in seventh grade. I was like a sophomore in high school. That makes me feel so old that you were in middle school. (laughs) Like, holy crap. I was either seventh or eighth grade. I remember I had like maybe 40 followers because not many people had it. But that Instagram was like all of my friends, high school, college friends. And then I started like the Finsta. And I was like, this is just stupid photos and like pretty photos because I don't know where else to put them. And I don't want them to just live in my photo album. And then I got really creative with it. And then in 2020 was when I was like, I'm bored. So then I was like, okay, let me actually take photos. And now I barely use my other Instagram that's basically just like me updating people on what I do. And it's just photo dumps. It's kind of like Facebook photo albums for me now. What we did when we were in like middle school of like, oh, you're hanging out with someone. Here's an entire photo album for your Facebook page. That's my personal Instagram. I love that. Sometimes I do that too. I love a good photo dump. I just, I've noticed, and I talked about this a lot recently on the podcast. Like if I'm doing really well, I tend to not take out my phone to take pictures. Mm -hmm. So like you really won't see anything because I just, I was in the moment. And I, that was one of my big intentions for the year was to be present and in the moment. So I think that is working and I am doing that, which is good. But then I'm like, damn, I wish I had pictures to post, but I really don't have pictures to post. Um, And like, I want to get back into creating content for the fun of it. I was struggling so much with, and actually this is a good question for you because you 
work in PR, but I was struggling so much with like, do I create an Instagram account for my law firm or just promote it on my personal page? Because it's all going to come from the people I already know. So like, do I really want to build a whole new account? But so for the first two months of having my law firm out into the world, I was promoting it on my own account. But then it got to the point where I was like, I miss being able to take fun pictures and just share them. Like, and like, if I went to the beach or went out on a boat, like, can I now not post bikini pictures next to like legal, like information? Like I was struggling with like, can't like, and I know lawyers do, and I know people who do it and I love them for it and it works, but I'm like, I kind of want this account to be just me as a human and then have each business have their own like funnel. And like, I'll share onto my account, like from each one, but I kind of was like, okay, it's time for them to be two separate things. So I'm curious from like a PR and a marketing perspective, like, have you, like, what would do you recommend when someone is starting a new business or starting to market their business, like starting it on, on one account or just like starting a new account to promote a new product or a new service or a new business? Like, is it hard to do that? Or is that smart? Like, I don't know. I, I so far it's working, but like, I don't really know what's going on here. I think from my perspective, I also had this issue when I started my agency. I knew I wanted them to be separate. And I had an intern who was helping me last summer. And like I just mentioned earlier, like I put off all social media, all business marketing to the side. And I was like, okay, I really got to start posting. And I had the issue of like, she was like, you should post this. You should talk about this. And I'm like, I want my agency to exist without me. Yes, I am the founder. Yes, I run it. Yes, I am sort of forward facing. You know that I run it. My name is in the bio, but I don't want it to just be like, here's my experience. And I think that works for some people where they have such a good personal story with their brand, whether it is an agency or like a product business, they can operate. I think it really depends on what the brand is and what you want the identity to be. So for me, I was like, they're definitely going to be separate. I will post things on my personal Instagram of like the cool things that we did. We went to South by Southwest. I made it a collaborative post so that you could see it on both of our profiles, but that was an agency thing. And then when I do like events or if I have like PR or press placements for my clients, that's only on the agency. I will make my post if I, like, if I went to fashion week, I had my own personal post of like my outfits and like the cutesy, the fun stuff there, the business stuff lives on the agency because I just wanted it to be separate. I wanted, like you said, I wanted to like be able to still have fun with it without my entire personality to be my business because I already don't have hobbies besides my work that I need something else out there. So I think it really depends on the person's brand and what they want to do with it. How do you want to be involved with your business? How do you want to represent it? I think that's a great point. Yeah. I've always said, I don't want to be just a lawyer. I want to be a person and I want to eventually be a wife and a mom and a friend and be a philanthropist and travel like I want to do all these different things so I think it it, it made it was all along the right move to make it a separate account so that I could show my main account be me doing all of the different things that I do and then having an account for each business and really prioritizing and focusing on what that business is doing but at the time it seemed so daunting to have another account to run and like I just don't have the bandwidth to market myself Mm -hmm. and these businesses 
So it's like, oh my God, it's another account to maintain and content to create for a different account. And I know that that will be my, probably my second hire would be my first one being an assistant, second one being someone to manage socials and create marketing content for my social, my, my accounts on for each of my businesses, because I, I can't do it all. Like, yeah, it's really hard to navigate the admin side of the business, like working in your business and on your business. I enjoy working in my business, but on it, like the admin stuff is, I enjoy the processes and the systems and building it, but the marketing is and just not really my thing. It's just- hundred percent. And I think that is something that a lot of people who like us didn't really anticipate entrepreneurship in our futures, didn't really anticipate that, oh, well- we kind of have to do everything, especially when you're just starting off and it's your first person, you're, you're the only person working there. When I started this agency, I was like, awesome. I can do PR all day, draft the pitches, send the emails, influencer campaigns, plan the events. But then I was like, oh shit, got to do finances for the month. Oh, got to make sure that I have enough for my taxes to pay quarterly. Oh, got to make sure I'm doing business development and business marketing, make sure my contracts are all tight, sending out invoices. So you really do. It's such a cliche. You wear so many different hats as a CEO. It's not until you're able to build out a team where you can have a social media person, a business marketing person, account managers, where they can manage it all. So it's something that you don't really understand. And it's a little like, Ugh, I wish I didn't have to do it, but I feel like the more you get into it, you get it into a routine, you understand it and you enjoy it a little bit more because you're like, okay, this is what keeps the wheels going. It's not just the pitches that are helping the agency. It's all the admin on the back end too. Yeah. And I think it's when you get to the point where you can start delegating and hiring, I think it's important that you do know what it looks like. So you can check for mistakes because at the end of the day, it's your name on the door. It's your name on the line and you're still responsible for it. They're your employee. So you want to make sure that you have enough knowledge to review their work and make sure that it is correct, even if they're the expert in the business. And when they're the expert and they're at, they're at that level where they don't need to ask you for approvals anymore because they've been with you for long enough or they're a VP or whatever then it's different. But like when they're an independent contractor or someone just helping you out part-time, like you want to make sure you, you know, what's going on too. So, and that you understand it and have them sit down and like explain it to you. So you know, what's going on. Cause as the CEO, you always need to go know what's going on in every aspect of your business while it's still small. Eventually it scales and it's a point where you can't know every single detail, but at the beginning it is, yeah, you're, it's just you. And yeah, I, I like that you brought, you said that, that like as people who didn't anticipate being entrepreneurs, can you talk a little bit about how you got into entrepreneurship in the first place? And you're a little bit younger than me. We talked about that. So when did you, like, what did you study in college? Like, how did you know, like PR was something that you wanted to do? I always, I think when I was like 16 is when I knew I wanted to be in PR I always loved fashion, obsessed with it. And my mom and my dad actually used to work in fashion. And I remember distinctly like sitting in the car, driving with my mom. And she was telling me she was like um, uh, executive assistant to like the women's buyer department at SAC. So she worked closely with the PR departments for all of the brands. And she was telling me about the cool events and the launches she went to. And I'm like, okay, that's fun. I can't design fashion, but I can plan these events. That's what I'm doing. 
I was lucky that that one thought actually turned out to be something I wanted to do. So when I pursued it in college, I had the internships, I took the classes and I was like, oh, okay, this is actually really fun. I love the behind the scenes of planning and making everything happen and making like the big picture. I don't care to be on the front screen, hence why I probably am really bad at business marketing, but I'm good at doing it for everyone else because I'm behind the scenes. So I fell into PR that way, graduated in 2019 while I was still pursuing my master's degree. And then I had a full-time job that I worked at for a year, which was a great agency. I learned so much and I just kind of felt like I was working on the consumer side enjoyed it but I really wanted to be creative I think the client I was specifically working on they were a big brand you didn't really need to do much they were pretty like reactive in terms of PR so I just felt like I want to do something I want to be creative I want to do cool pitches so I ended up leaving that job after a year and in between finding a new job I had the luxury of living at home having very little expenses and it was during the pandemic so I was like let me use this to figure out what I want to do because I four months after I graduated, I had this job. So I didn't really have much of like a, what the hell is happening in my life. So I started freelancing and I was like, I know what like an account coordinator in PR does. So like, that's the basics, got that underhand. And so coincidentally, a brand, literally the day I decided, let me try freelancing while still applying for jobs, posted, they were looking for someone to do PR. And I was like, silver lining. This is great. Let me do this move forward with that. That was like February of 2021. And I ended up like continuing that on for a little while and went to New York Fashion Week with them, supported them through their first show, their pop-up shop, their VIP stuff. And I made a lot of connections and I was like, I think this is something I should do. Why not give it a shot? I'm 24, stressed out, talked to my mom, called my brother. And they're like, why are you questioning it? You can always get another job. And I was like, okay, I guess so. And I used the end of 2021 to be like, okay, let me pull together a whole list of people that I could reach out to. Let me get my invoices in order. Let me get my contracts in order. Let me make sure that the LLC is set up. Let me get a website going. And I basically gave myself a deadline of October 1st to officially launch. And December 31st to get all of my eggs in order. So January 1st, I can just hit the ground running. And that's kind of how the agency happens. I just kind of like forced myself into it and was like, I, I guess so. Never anticipated this. Always thought I would work up the corporate ladder 10, 15 years, be in PR, get bored of it, and then either open up my own agency or get my teachings, teacher's degree and become a kindergarten teacher. Did not anticipate becoming an entrepreneur at like 23, 24 years old. Yeah. Wait, I want to talk about the kindergarten teacher part for a sec after this, <laughs> but like that's so random and like very different. But I think it's really cool that you, like what you said of like, you said that's what you wanted to do as a kid and that ended up being what you were doing. I love that because when we really, there's so much talk now about inner child work and going back to your inner child and like this whole wellness phenomenon. And if we really think about it, our inner child is the most pure form of ourselves. They know what they want. They've always known what they've wanted, except society started telling them that they were wrong or they shouldn't do this or that or whatever. And that's how we get to where we are now as adults. But if we start, you know, peeling back the layers and we get back to that inner child, like 
a lot of times you look back and realize that what you wanted to do when you were a kid has somehow manifested itself into what you're doing now. And so I love that, that you were like, yeah, it worked out for me. Like what I said I wanted to do is what I'm doing now because I can say the same for myself, but I never would have known that like when I was five, seven years old. And I think that's really, I just, I love that note. But, you know, also really funny is I, I think in a past life or in a, in my next life, if I didn't do like someone asked me a while ago, like if I didn't go to law school, what would I be doing? And I honestly don't know, but I do think that in a past life or in a next life or an alternative career that I could have had because I enjoy it is PR. I think I would have been very good at it. And I think I would have enjoyed it a lot. And it's funny looking back at a book I used to read when I was in middle school, one of the characters, like she was a supporting character in the series. I talk about this book a lot, The Keaton Chronicles by Jillian Dodd. And the girl goes to law school and she decides to be a publicist. Instead of pursuing law, she becomes a publicist. She becomes like the number one publicist to the stars. Like the main character is like, she's like, um, her mom is like America's sweetheart. So she becomes like America's sweetheart once like her mom is the older generation. And now she's like in her prime. And like, so she becomes the publicist too, like America's sweetheart, like the, the top booked actress. And, and they were like high school friends or whatever. But I think it's just really cool that like law and PR and it kind of all in a way that middle school version of myself manifested into what I do today with being a podcast host and an agency owner and influencer manager, I pitch my clients to brands every single day. That is a PR tool. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it's funny looking back at like who we were as kids and what we liked and our skills and what we are interested in, how it, you look back 10 years down the road and like a lot of times it does not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it kind of makes a lot of sense. So I yeah. think it's really cool that it worked out the way for you and what a cool into seeing how your mom did it. And being like, oh, I want to do that. And then using those connections and that insight to make it happen for yourself. And also, I think, too, with like realizing like this job isn't what I thought I wanted. You know, I'm glad I have this opportunity. I've learned a lot, but I want to be in a different role in a company like this. How can I start doing that more creative side? And then you probably thought maybe move to another agency or, you know, work at PR at a company instead of like a marketing agency or PR agency. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to do it by freelancing. And then you decided to pursue freelancing full time in the sense of you created your own company. But I think it's really cool that you knew like, hmm, this isn't exactly what I wanted. Let me go find it. And I think that's so much about what entrepreneurship is. Like, I think the modern day entrepreneurship is finding a problem in the market and making it, making your solution to it and figuring exactly. it out. And I think I had a little, I will say, like, I think I got a little lucky in the fact that I am technically second generation in the U.S. My mom was born in London. So she's the first generation. She got to kind of like break those barriers. So I was never pressured to do whatever. I didn't put pressure on myself, which it sounds so bad. Kids who are listening, do well in school, do well in your SATs, apply to good colleges. But I like didn't put a lot of pressure on myself for my classes in high school, didn't put pressure on myself for my SATs. Choosing what college I went to, I applied to three schools. My brother was like, you should go to Rutgers. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. I got in. Like, I didn't put too much thought into it. I'm very lucky things worked out. But I also had like 
no pressure on me. My mom was like, figure out what you want to do. Do something you enjoy. Obviously, she's like, I want you to make money so that you can be successful and have a nice life. But I had the luxury of she's like, yes, quit the job. Yes, start the agency. You can always go back to this. You have this buffer. And when I do look back on it, I'm like, when I was little, I my mom threw these extravagantly themed parties. I always loved throwing parties. I threw dinner parties for my friends. There was always a theme. There was always music and a um, menu. And there's so much thought behind it. And now I'm like, I work in PR. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's plan an event. Let's invite these people. Let's curate the guest list. Let's curate the menu. That's the part I think I would love, like the event part of it. And like, it is my favorite part. And I'm like, oh, it's because five-year-old me had the coolest princess party. And she's just kind of recreating that 20, 20 years later. That's so cool. I, so I want to get back to well, you brought up, you thought in, you know, you would go up the corporate ladder 10 to 15 years down the line, you would either start your own thing or become a teacher. And it's funny because yeah. offline, we were saying like, I literally had just said like, so many people go that route. They think like, you know, you're going to work up the corporate ladder and then that's it. Like that's the pinnacle or you go off on your own. Um, and they don't really think of other ways to do that, that you could start it off the way you did, like finding a need in the market and making it happy for yourself. But then your other alternative was becoming a kindergarten teacher. So I want to know why was that your other option? Like there was no other op- options for you? So from about five years old up until I was 16 and learned about PR, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I love kids. I love kids to this day. I had the best kindergarten teacher that just like to this day, I'm like, she was so incredible. I love her. My mom still talks so, to my kindergarten teacher, but I literally don't speak to her. It's weird. I don't talk to mine either. I moved like 10 times in my life. So I have no relationships with any of my teachers. I don't think they understand the impact they've had on me, but I always want to be a kindergarten teacher. I loved kids. And then when I was 16, I learned about PR and the whole like, oh, teachers don't make a lot. There's not a lot of jobs out there. So I'm like, okay, I'll do PR. I'm very aware of myself where I'm like all or nothing. So I'll go in on something, be obsessed with it. And then once I'm done, I'm done. So I was like, I'm going to be bored of this after like 10 or 15 years. There's only so much you can go. You go up to be a VP. I don't know if I'm going to start my own agency or if I'll just stay there for the rest of my life. I can go back and be a teacher. I'll be like 40 years old, have my own kids. They're in school. I'll work at the same time that they're in school and then it just works out. I get to spend time with kids. I even have, I had like a crisis my senior year where my part-time job after during between classes was being an aftercare counselor. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? I love kids so much. But I was like, I can always go back and do that. And I think I've had that mentality of like, nothing has to be permanent. So I've kind of allowed myself despite being such a type A person where I'm still like, okay, you can always go back to getting a regular job if you want to. You can go and get your teacher's degree. You can get your PhD if you really want to. Probably won't, but I have that very, like, nothing's permanent. It's chill, relax, do what you want to do. I love that. I love that. Nothing is permanent because it's it's very true. And, you know, you, you talked about being second generation and your mom really not putting that pressure on you to have it all figured out and have the pedigree and the career and you know that she really wanted you to do what made you happy and yes she wanted you to be successful but she allowed you to shape that path for yourself and I have to say I'm first generation I was the first one born here my parents came as kids so like you can argue on both first and second in a way 
like they went to school here but I'm the first one culturally raised American and I had both like I had the pressure to get a degree and be successful and get the good grades and also they recognized that I was going to go on my own path and they supported me in that. And they have always been cautiously supportive of me going on my own for at such a young age, especially being a lawyer. They're like, if you want to drop out of law school, that's fine. Like you will get a job. But then when I said, okay, I'm going to finish and you know, I've finished now. I don't want to go to a law firm. They're like, okay, we support you in opening your own firm. We will, like, I live at home. I have that luxury as well that I'm able to be financially supported while I do work, but I, I, I wouldn't be able to do everything I'm doing if, it, if I didn't live at home truly. And I'm very grateful for that. But they were always like, I want you to have some law firm experience. I still want you to work at least part-time at a firm. So in the event that you ever decide you do no longer want to have your own thing, or it doesn't work out and you need to go back into the workforce, you have transferable skills. So yeah, it's like both that, like nothing is permanent. You don't know how long this will last. You don't know how long the influencer industry is going to be around and like that lawyers are needed in that space. Like you want to have legal skills that are transferable in the traditional legal fields. And I was like, you were right. And I didn't want to believe them for months. And I was like, I'm not going to affirm. I'm not going to affirm. But I'm really grateful that I now have that experience to go back on. And, you know, I think, I don't know, like this career path looks is so brand new. It could change. It probably will change in 10 to 15 years. But I have skills that will allow me to kind of figure out what I want at that point and go anywhere. Um, I don't like as a child, I don't remember what I said I wanted to do as a kid like that I remember I always I was either wanting to be a meteorologist or yeah which is really fucking weird I don't know or I really like science in like fourth grade like fourth grade to middle school I really like science beyond that I didn't like science and and then it was a lawyer all of a sudden it became a lawyer and I think there's like motivational speaker and author in there somewhere which I mean I have a blog I have a podcast so like I can see that but I think truly like publicists, like PR, like marketing, event planning, like deep down in there could be it. But like, I don't know what I would do if it wasn't this. But yeah, nothing's permanent. I don't know where it'll go, but at least I have transferable skill, transferable skills. And I think it's really cool that you recognize that too, like that you don't know what is going to happen, but you have options and like you're getting back to your roots and what you truly have always loved and those were your two things and you're like if one doesn't work out I have this option and like I will be satisfied and happy in that and I think that's super important because so many people get to that point of like okay I've been here for so long like what's next like what's what do I do now so I think that's really cool that you have that I think another facet is of the entrepreneurship world is knowing how to pivot so yes like you said you have these transferable skills because you've had this, you're having this experience at a law firm, you're exploring other options, like you're kind of covering your bases and exploring what you like. And that's what I did. I tried out social media, didn't really like doing that, loved PR already. So I'm like covering my bases. I know what I'm good at in terms of like teacher, business world, PR world, regular just interests. And even now I'm even taking a look at my agency and I'm like, should we pivot what services we offer the world is always changing like you said you don't know if influencers are going to be around in 10 years 
who knows if traditional media, that whole landscape is changing. Maybe it's not as relevant as it is. For now, we've pivoted so many of our clients into doing a lot of podcast guests because that is so much more of a return than traditional PR. So like knowing when to pivot, knowing when to lean into some other interests that you've had or some ideas that you've explored and just nothing's permanent. You can test it out. If it doesn't work out, okay, go back to what you were doing. I think that is an idea that a lot of entrepreneurs already have or learn to adopt when they start off because they realize, how do we keep it going? How do you keep the lights on? How do you keep your interest going? Because things can get boring. Like I said, I thought I was going to be bored with PR, but I'm pivoting. I'm learning what else I like. I'm tapping into other assets of facets of the PR media, social media world. It's all about pivoting. Yeah, I love that. You brought up a couple points that I want to touch on. So I think, yeah, most people, I, I, I think that's also why entrepreneurship has become such a like hot topic lately is because people get so tired that industries are so traditional and they're not willing to pivot and try out the new thing. And I love that you you started recognizing like, okay, podcasts are the new marketing tool, like over traditional paid written media. Let's start getting my clients in that, in that realm and start put, putting themselves out there that way. So what are like the traditional types of media? Like when, when you were studying PR in school, like were you guys taught anything about social media? Like how have you learned about like the marketing trends and like PR trends and how to kind of do that pivoting of, you know, traditional paid media like magazines and newspapers, that's not necessarily the best use of marketing money. It, it, it is still powerful, but social media and podcasts are the new, the, the 2.0 version. So how do you balance like one for your clients, like budgets, like focusing on one versus the other. And also like, how do you know which trends to focus on? Like, what did you study versus what is actually happening now? So I got to say, this is not a knock to Rutgers or my education, but what I learned in, so I majored in communications and political science. I thought I wanted to be a lobbyist as well. Like, oh man, wait, so did I, I was a poli sci major, then became my minor because I wanted to be a lobbyist at one point in high school. That's so funny. I'm like, that's the that's p- political side of PR. So backtrack, I, so my specialization was in PR. So I took all of those PR classes my professors were really great and they had really great experience, but they had the corporate experience, corporate communications and a PR agency, very different operations. So like I learned how to write a press release. I learned about the history of PR. I understood how people communicated. I took like an argumentation class where you learn how to debate and all of that. But everything that I know and everything, the way that I structure my agency and the whole entire business operations is based off of the four different internships that I had. I had one internship at a like traditional like PR, it was called PR consulting, where they just had high-end fashion brands. So I learned how to deal with stylists and sample polls and New York Fashion Week. Okay, like side note, I want, I see, I wish I would have done like PR in college (laughs) because that sounds like my dream. Like, I I also love how you called lobbying the PR of politics because that's exactly what it is. But this exact what you just said, like the history of PR and argumentation and learning how to debate and like, I, man, in a past life, if I could go back. (laughs) But that's the thing is you could always go forward and do it if you really wanted to. 
But so that agency taught me all about that. And then I moved on to two boutique agencies that were like teams of like five or six. And they, that's where I learned how to write pitches and pull images, send samples out, do our own media research, which was literally just like us scrolling through Birdie, Pop Sugar, all of the top publications, seeing what stories were relevant, what themes were on topic, how our brands fit in, and kind of going that way, learning how they operated. If you look at my, like the way that I organize, like our Google Drive folder, how we send pitches, how we do everything, I've pulled the little bits of things that I liked from every agency I worked at and I combined it into one because I learned so much there. I didn't learn a lot in terms of business operations and PR in general at school, but through experience and trial and error is really what I learned. And I think me already being interested and constantly, I'm already signed up to all of the newsletters at all of the big publications. I'm still subscribed to as many magazines as I possibly can that are still around. I'm always scrolling through social media, Twitter, Instagram, everything. So I've kind of already been immersed in it. We're learning about what the trends are. Should we pivot to podcasts? Should we do this? Should we do that? Just my organic interest helped me out where I'm like, okay, I think this is kind of a good move. Let's try it out. Again, nothing's permanent. Let's try it out. Does it work? Are we seeing a return? Is this a better investment for our clients because we work with small business owners? So as much as I want to make as money, much money as possible, I want them to get the best return on their investment. So I'll tell them, look, traditional PR, great for credibility, brand awareness, podcast, great, but you can probably get more, like a bigger bang for your buck there because it's so saturated on the tra traditional media standpoint. So I've, my organic interest and just like testing things out has really what has helped keep the company afloat and keep moving and testing things out and growing because that's just, I've already immersed myself in this world. Yeah, 100%. I think it's really important what you said, like the school, the schooling aspect of it, like your degree gave you the foundation, but it was the internships that gave you the hands-on mm -hmm. experience that you still use today. It gave you the tools and the resources. And I couldn't say, like, you couldn't have said it better. Like truly, I, I, we, as lawyers, like we all joke that like law school did not teach us absolutely anything. Like we don't know how to actually be lawyers. We know the law. We know how to research the law and look it up. But like that they don't actually teach you how to, and they teach you how to analyze the law but in an academic setting. But when it comes to actually explaining that to your client and the client relations and the people management and deadlines and time, like it teaches you time management because you have to, because you have limited time and a lot of work to do, but like how to actually run a law firm or operate in a law firm in a hierarchy, like that is not taught like you learn that in practice by working at a firm and figuring it out yourself and we have internships like summer associateships and clerkships but it truly until you are actually in the real world doing that as your day job it's not the same thing so I think um, it's so valuable that you you brought up like that those four internships were the ones that truly impacted how you work and how you run your agency today I cannot stress that enough. Hands-on experience is the number one thing that you can do. I remember my professor, I was in clinic and he asked me, what kind of lawyer do you want to be? What kind of clients do you want to have? And that question set off a catalyst of like me really figuring out what that was. And that is exactly what led me to where I am today. If it wasn't for getting that hands-on experience in clinic where he presented me opportunities to start putting those things together, 
I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have now. And, you know, learning how to research and write a brief or for you write a press release or um, a pitch or whatever, like you needed those skills, but putting it into practice is actually what shaped you now. And, and that, you know, to like tell your client, like, this is why we should split it up into this. You should do both. I know it's going to cost you a little more, but you're going to get more out of it this way. And I can do that with my clients now because I've seen it happen in practice. So I'm glad you brought that up. Before you jump into the next thing, for the people that aren't like me, where I was like, okay, I'll do PR. And then it all just kind of worked out. The experience also helps figure out if you actually enjoy it. 100%. Uh, again, lucky where I loved it. I had four different types of internships where I was like the VIP fashion, boutique agency, worked for a mid-sized agency, and then I worked in-house for a brand. It's all PR, but it is all so different. And that's where I learned this is the kind of job I want after I graduate. And then now when I'm running my agency, I could have just acted like I wanted to do in-house or I wanted to build a mass media agency. But I was like, no, I really like that boutique feel. I understand that. I really like that. So the experience is everything. You know what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you need to learn. It's everything. It is such a cliche that people say, like, have the internships, the experience is everything. But it is so underrated because it is it makes such an impact. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up, too. Yeah. You from every experience, good, bad or ugly, you get something out of it. And I think. I could argue that it's more valuable learning that you don't like something or you don't want to do something more than what you do like. And that's why having so many internships and jobs isn't a bad thing. Like it's actually a good thing. Like you have to be smart about it and strategic of like not jumping from job to job every month because you're so miserable. Like you have to give them time, but having multiple things on your resume allows you to take from each experience and learn from it and bring it to the next one. And I think you learn more about what you don't want and don't deserve and the workplace that you environment, the culture that you like, you know, the city or whatever, like the size of the company, all these different aspects. You went from, you know, corporate in-house to boutique to mid-size, like you got a little taste of every single one and they all allowed you to shape your approach to it, to run your own agency. And that was valuable in and of itself, not just the experience that you learned at each one, but the sizing and how you want to run it. I used to regret sort of in college, the fact that I didn't consistently work at an agent's like one internship each summer, or each semester. So many people around me were working for the same companies. And then when they graduated, got jobs there. And I used to regret that. I was like, damn, I probably would have gotten a job straight out of college if I had just stayed at one agency. But looking back on it now, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't because I probably would have hated it if I stayed at any of those longer. I knew what I liked because I tested things out. You're always going to be curious about what else is out there. So just try it out when you have the luxury of like nothing is that serious in college. You have these jobs, you can test them out, internships, see what you like so that when you actually do feel like you have the pressure of the world on you once you graduate, which such so much pressure. <laughs> It's good to know that you can pinpoint, I don't want this. I don't want that. I like that. Let me lean into that. Yeah, absolutely. I I was going to ask too, what, like you, I think you, I think your answer is probably going to be events, but what do you offer at your agency and what is your favorite offering? And how did you so, come up with them? I, 
I started off really just doing like traditional PR and influencer relations. That's what I knew. That's what I was good at. And then we pivoted a little more so expanded than pivoted. So now we offer traditional PR, which is like the regular like digital print blogs, TV segment kind of pitching. We do influencer relations, campaigns, gifted, paid, everything under the moon there. We have digital marketing, which is all the social media stuff. We do events and we do, there is one other thing, brand and launch strategy. So a brand that's looking to get started off or if they're in the process of a rebrand. And then I've also pivoted a little bit further where I offer business consultations for people who obviously I'm like two years into this. I don't know everything, but I'm good at helping people who were where I was two years ago or who were six months ago, a year ago, helping them out. So I do business consultations. I do my own creative consultations for other people because if they're stuck in their social media rut and they're like, what the hell do I post? How the hell do I grow? That's where I come in. And then for anyone who really just can't afford our services, but I want to help them as best as I can, I do like kind of like a brand narrative and a pitch. So it's like a six week thing where I help them figure out like their brand messaging, their bio, and I drop them like two pitches. One's like a brand pitch and one's a product pitch that they can obviously edit and they can do their own PR for the time being. So they're like at least like set up to a point where they can run it until they want to come back to me. So we get a lot of stuff that we offer. So I'm just trying to help as many small businesses in the best way that I can really. I love that. I think I like that you expanded over time to be able to touch different people at different stages of the business. And that's, I would love to offer that the business consulting, like how you said, like I'm only two years in, but if I could help someone that was where I was six months ago to get to where I am now, like, I want to do that. I am the same way. I would love to be able to do that. And I think little by little, I am starting to do that. A lot of law students and pre-law students come to me and I'm just like, I I don't want to charge them because they're students, but also like that's a viable business right there. And I really want to offer that more. But if I'm going to take time out of my day to do that, then it does need to become a business. So I like that that is an offering of yours. That's something I definitely want to start thinking about adding to my repertoire as well when I leave my law firm job because I can't take on anything else (laughs) but I like that you expanded your offerings over time what did you start out with and then how did you like it's only you said it's only been about two years and now you have so many offerings like what do you yourself particularly handle like what did you start out with and like hiring and delegating to be able to offer these services so it started off like I said with traditional PR and influencer relations and then it sort of evolved into events was always there but a lot of the businesses I worked with weren't really in the budget to do so so it was an offering didn't really tap into it until in the past like six months or so where we really leaned into it more. The first expansion was to podcast PR because I kind of recognized that a lot more people were leaning into that. People were starting podcasts and I was like hearing from other people. I believe you had her on your podcast, Scout Sobel. Yes. She talks about how the power of podcasts. And I'm like, okay, that's something I want to give to my clients. Let's lean into that. So that was the first thing that we expanded into. And then I want to say about six or seven months in, it kind of got to a point where I had a lot of small businesses reaching out to me and I was giving like smaller rates and I was really negotiable with my fees. But then there was a certain point where I'm like, there's only so much that I can give where 
I need a different option where I still want to help these people, but at the same time, I also need to make money, obviously. So that's how I kind of expanded into the business consultations as well as like the brand narrative pitching so that I can help them out, give them as much help as I can. The consultations are like hourly consultations, kind of like pay as you go, pay as you need really. And that really started to take off in July. And I've worked with one girl now since I started that offering. And we're in the process of building the coolest thing ever for her business. And I am so excited for her. So that was the first one. And then more recently, in the past like two or three months, I started off the creative consultations because I found a lot of my friends reaching out to me and being like, I need help. Like, I'm kind of stuck. I need some ideas. What should I do? And I really enjoyed doing that because like we said at the beginning of this and even before we even start recording, we're so bad at doing our own business marketing. We have all the ideas. We know what we need to do. It's like advice. When you give your friend advice, it's so much easier to give advice than to take advice. So the creative consultation, so I'm like, I have the creativity. I know that this is the stuff I should be implementing on my business Instagram account. If I wanted to really grow that my personal and my TikTok and all of that, but let me help out other people who maybe need a little guidance. Maybe they just need someone to bounce ideas off of, or maybe they're totally lost or they're starting off or they're in like a rut. Help out anyone at any stage. And it's been really fun because I got to be creative in like different ways because obviously I have my own like niche quotations are being used for people that can't say this. And so people that are in completely different niches, I can kind of tap into that and see, oh, this is a new thing. You should try this out. We could do this. You should do this. And it's a lot more fun. I get to be a lot more creative. I love that. It's so true. Like we're really good at giving advice and we're not as good as taking it. And I think part of the reason why I was listening to a podcast, two podcasts earlier that talked about this, it's our blind spot. Like we're really good at seeing things from an outside perspective and giving advice on it. That's why we're really good at giving the advice, but we don't see it, our lives from an outside perspective because we're living it. So it's our blind spots and it takes other people outside telling us, but we're not good at taking it because then it feels like they're like attacking us or saying that we're doing things wrong when it's like, you just don't see it the way the outsiders do because you're living it. So I think that's, I think it's really cool though, talking about that, that like your friends were coming to you and you were like, I could use my skills to help them in their blind spots. And I can add this to my business, but I'm helping my friends, helping them succeed and reach their goals. And it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier, like when you find a white space in the market and you're like, I could use my skills to solve this problem. That's what you're doing for your friends. And it's even sweeter that it's your friends and that, yeah, you get to make money off of it because at the end of the day, a business needs to make money to be profitable, but you're doing it because you genuinely love and want to do it. And I could say the same for myself. Like it's hard to do what I'm doing, but I, I'm able to have the career that I have today because I get to combine my different skills and passions. And when I want to try a new product or service offering out, I can add it to it and figure it out. Versus if I was in a traditional law firm setting, I would be a lot more limited because that's just, there's a, there's a system and a process in the way to send. I love that I get to build that system and process out for myself. How do you, if like for someone who's just getting started, you started off freelancing and now you've grown it so much pricing. How do you figure out what to price your services at? And has it been, have you raised your prices? Have you, have you, were you struggling to like pay like, or not pay, but ask for more, like pay me what I'm worth type of thing. Like, how do you know how to start pricing yourself out and when the right time to 
raise your rates is? So the rates, it's, that is probably the trickiest thing about starting a business, especially a service-based one, because it's like, what the hell do I charge? I started off where I was like, okay, I was making 40K at my first job. I mean, that, that was like 2,400 bucks a month for like, that's what I was taking home as my salary. So I'm like, okay, if I can make a baseline of that per month, I'm solid. I survived off of that. So I'm good because I lived at home and everything. So then as I first started off, I was like, okay, let's, let's start something that seems like reasonable. And then I joined a lot of freelance groups and people are always willing to share. That is one thing that I don't think people realize ask questions to other freelancers, agency owners, entrepreneurs, everyone wants to help everyone because we've all been in that spot. So I did ask people and they were like, you can kind of break it down into, okay, what is the ideal salary you want for this year? Break that down into what your hourly rate would be. And then not double it, but like increase it more because you have to factor in, you're doing the admin, you're doing the financial, you're doing the legal, you're doing all of that. So I kind of broke it down from salary to hourly plus, and then kind of estimated, okay, if I'm sending two pitches a month and I'm spending this amount of time sending the pitches, drafting the pitches, doing all of this, it's roughly 20 hours a month. This would equate to X amount of dollars. That's kind of how I started. And then I, as I started to grow, I kind of realized my worth. And you need to realize that, yes, you want to help small businesses. Yes, you want to do this. You, your worth is still worthy. And as you grow, as you learn more, your prices should increase because you become more valuable to them. So it was a little difficult at first because I was always like, well, my rate's this, but I'm totally negotiable. But I had, um, I actually had a mentorship com- consultation with Scout at the beginning of 2022. And she really helped me. And I tell this to everyone. I was like, you're only as big as the space you allow yourself to be in. So if you're saying that you can only charge you're putting yourself in a $500 box. If you put yourself into a $3,000 box, what you want is going to come to you. As soon as she told me that, it just clicked. After that conversation with her, I was like, okay, let me increase my rates to, let's go up a couple hundred dollars. That seems like not a huge jump, manageable. I was worried. No one was going to come to me. Everyone's going to be like, why are you worth that? blah, blah, blah. No. As soon as I was like, I'm worth this, I'm going to set my rates to this. People came to me, no questions about my rates. So you just need to kind of have faith and trust yourself and have confidence in yourself that the right clients, if you're in a client-based business, are going to come to you and not question you. If people are giving you a little bit of a hassle or questioning your worth essentially based off of your rates that you give them it's not a client you want to work with and that's something you definitely learn along the way I put up with a lot of clients that were like well what about this much and then they were a little bit of a pain to work with the clients that don't give you too much shit for your rates are the ones that are the good clients you build really good relationships and you learn to attract those more it's all about learning pivoting adjusting as you go and just taking in what's happening don't get bogged down by if someone is like, you're only worth $500, even though your rate's $2,000. I don't care. Just don't give them the time of day. And the people that respect your rates are going to come to you eventually, as soon as you kind of respect yourself and get the confidence in yourself. A hundred percent. I love that advice from Scout. She's so great. 
but I was I really don't know who I would be without her if I'm being completely honest oh yeah she's she's one of my friends and mentors too I'll link her episode below for you guys um but I think what you said of like, it's all about learning and pivoting and yeah, confidence. Like you, if you don't truly believe you are worth that and the client gets an inkling of that lack of confidence, they're going to bite. They're going to attack you. And you need to like, this is what I'm paid. This is what my rates are. Pay me what I'm worth or don't work with me at all. And like, that's it. It's, you're not, it's not, your worth is not up for negotiation. Um, A lot of things are up for negotiation. That should not be one of them. And I say that as someone who negotiates for a living. The question about how do you raise your rates, I think it's a little tough. But like you just said, it's about confidence. If you're confident and I deserve to increase my rates by X amount, they're going to respect you. What Scout, again, she taught me this. Every, financially, Scout has taught me, and listen to her episode here because she's great. But <laughs> let's say you're charging five hundred dollars to this one client at the end of that quarter you're still a great client it's fine but just make sure that you're letting them know I'm raising my rates because of this reason we've educated ourselves more we've grown our team we've done this much work for you we've seen results just kind of tell them the story. If they understand, they'll understand. If they really like you and you guys are doing great, they're going to increase with you. It's, you got to, again, you got to trust your relationships as well. Trust yourself, trust your relationships with your clients. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, Scout is great. Truly go listen to her episode, go check her out. And she now offers business coaching, I think every once Mm -hmm. in a while as well. I mean, and Amber, you offer business coaching. And if you ever want me to be your business coach, happy to do that as well. I definitely want (laughs) to get into that. But I remember what I was going to say. I, yeah, like if a client fights you on it, they're just not the client you want to have. You brought that up. And that happened to me recently where it wasn't my rate. It was my contract for influencer management. And they wanted to severely limit my, what I was going to do for them. And, and then also what I, like, not just what I was able to do for them, but the, the timeline, the length of time that we would work together. And I was just like, if this was a long-term partnership, I understand, but you're severely limiting my capabilities, not only of me being able to do things for you, but for me to make money off of it. And as a manager, I already only take 20% commission and I I don't want to charge a flat fee. I don't feel comfortable. I don't think that's right. But at the end of the day, this is a business and I need to do what's best for me and the best interest of my business. And this just no longer feels like a good relationship. And it, I went back and forth with her for like two or three weeks. And then I was like, you know what? I just don't really like, I, I conceded to the changes. I made concessions and then I didn't feel right about the concessions. And I tried to like backtrack and that just made her more upset. And which valid, I understand like that was, I should have just said no from the beginning. But at the time I was willing to like, okay, like I'm willing to make it work a little bit more for you. Like, okay, it's just limited partnership so I can understand. But then it made sense or not limited partnership. That's a legal term of art. Not that like our relationship, but I was like, yeah, this just doesn't feel right anymore. So I think that's really great. No, like if the client no longer, if something about them, if they are fighting you on your rates or your contract or whatever you offer, and it just doesn't feel like a good, like you're not getting a good feeling anymore about it, then like, it's okay to say no, like the universe will reward you in other ways. But right now that one's just doesn't make sense and like it will take away 
time from you being able to take on a new client that is going to bring you value and work with you the way that as you come, you know, and like, it just, it's, you just save yourself the trouble. And so I think that's a great point of like, if the client is fighting on your rates, like, yeah, it's just maybe not a great client, but trust your gut and understand that. Think of the, like you just said, you were talking with this person for two to three weeks. That is energy that you could have put into working with other clients or finding new clients, respect your time, respect your energy. And just, it sounds so unprofessional, but I tell people, I'm like, a lot of times it's all about the vibe you get from someone. Like if we're on a call and we're just not vibing, I know it's not going to work out professionally. It sounds so stupid, but like every single time I've had a weird gut feeling, it's never been worth it for either party. And it's not just, it's not me that's not benefiting. I'm not able to do my best for them. So it's like, I don't want to waste your time either. We don't have the right vibe. It's not worth it. Respect your vibe, respect your energy. It sounds a little woo woo, but I think it's so true. No, a hundred percent. I'm very much a vibes person. I'm a gut intuition person. My gut will always tell me, like, I, I I get the full on visceral like yes or no's. Like, the, if I'm iffy about it, it means like maybe I need more information still. But which in that case, like, I needed more information until I got the vibe that like it was a no. So I ultimately did right by myself. But yeah, get like follow your intuition, listen to your gut. And I think I've always been someone who really struggles with trusting myself because I thought that I had to be logical. And I realized like, I'm just not a logic person. Like you can't rationalize intuition. Like my, it's intuition for a reason. Like I'm getting this feeling for a reason. I need to listen to it. And now that I've unapologetically started listening to it, my life has completely opened up for the better. But that's a whole other side note. Talking about clients, like how did you know, like what was your ideal client? How did you develop, like who were your ideal clients? Pitching yourself to clients to work with them. I mean, you pitch for a living, but how do you get, your clients like how do you find them what are you looking for when you're picking out new clients or like let's say three came to you that week how do you and you can only take on one more like how do you and they're they're all very similar they're in different industries but they're pretty like what you would be doing for them are very similar the money wise isn't like that much like how do you know which client to go for like what do you look for when choosing a client so the clients that we work with at first we start off kind of just doing these services for South Asian brands but then as I was reaching out to brands when I first started, I was like, you know what? I can support minority-owned brands. Basically, anyone that's underrepresented. Female founders, minority-owned brands, anything that falls under that, that's who we want to help. And we really want to help small businesses because they are not given the platform that they deserve. There are so many incredible small brands out there that you just don't know they exist because we're seeing the same 15 brands regurgitated over and over to us in the same magazines and podcasts and everything like that. So when I first started, I was looking for minority owned brands and female founded brands, literally just searching through Instagram. I originally started going off of working with fashion, beauty, and consumer brands because that's where a lot of my expertise was from my previous experience. And then since have expanded to basically anyone who falls under that umbrella of minority or female owned, just because our team has expanded where our knowledge is a little bit more expansive and we've learned a lot more over the years. So deciding on what client to take on, again, if money is not the issue, if they're all kind of the same, it goes off of that vibe. If I think we can do a lot with you and you're willing to take on our ideas 
We like to think big and then come down to look at the budget, what's feasible. We'll plan for something that's a million dollars and then we'll bring it down to your $10,000 budget. But we want to think big. If we have a client that's like, yeah, go for it. Super chill. Just trust us. That is a very big deciding factor. If we have a client that's like, mm, I'm not sure, like, what's the budget? What's this? We are very big thinkers at this agency. We like to think big. We like to do cool things. We want to make it an experience. And if a brand is on the same vibe as that, they're perfect. We're going to work so well together and we're both going to thrive. If they're questioning it, it's not that there's anything bad about them. It's just that I don't think our thought processes and our operations are going to match well together because we want to go big and we want to explore and we want to experience things. And they obviously, it's their business. It's their baby. They're investing their money in this. They're a little bit more hesitant. And I completely respect that. But the way we work is we work well with people who are like, okay, let's give it a shot. Not that we're like taking risks and like asking you to spend a million dollars on this really cool experience. We are very logical and respectful, but we, it helps when we work with people who have those big ideas and really want to build their brand. And they're like, this is where I want to be. I want to have my own Coachella. If you're thinking big like that, we're there for you. Yeah, I think that's super important. I was talking about this with another a marketing agency last week. Like the client needs to be willing to trust you. Like they are hiring you. They need to trust you and allow you to be a part of the, the, the vision. Like, that's why they're hiring you. If if they could do it all themselves and they're not going to listen to ideas, then why are they hiring? God damn it. Yeah. There's a lot of times I think some businesses struggle when they work with an agency because they think of us as an employee, but we're an agency. You're hiring us for our expertise. We're guiding you. Obviously, we're taking your input. We're taking your goals and your whole brand vision, but we're building that. It's our expertise that's helping you and you need to learn to trust us so that this partnership is actually beneficial. If you don't have trust in us, it's not going to work out. You're going to be disappointed by the results because both of us aren't able to work together on it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Like each, You each have your own expertise and you, you're working together to mutually benefit each other. So you guys need to each stay in your lane and allow the other person to do their part of the, the contract, the agreement. Exactly. And speaking of contracts, we were talking offline of the attorney who helped you with your contracts and, you know, knowing you couldn't do it all yourself and you needed help in that aspect of your business. How, like, how do you go about that? Looking for people, like when you were going to start your business, when you were starting out and you're like, okay, I need to legally, you know, set up the business correctly and I need to get the business entity and the contracts. And, you know, when you start hiring people and you have employment contracts or independent contractor agreements, like how did you go about looking for people who can help you with that? Like you use an attorney, um, like, do you work, was it like a one-time deal or are you like a main, like a recurring client of hers? Like, do you go back to her regularly? How did you know to hire those professionals, those services? Like, do you have a CPA? Like talk about the that side of the business. So again, kind of lucky, probably should have put a little bit more thought into the things I was investing in. But again, I trust my gut. So I ended up going, I was invited to create and cultivate to be a judge for one of their things back in October, 2021. And that's how I connected with um, the attorney who helped me with my um, contract. She reached out to me and was like, hey, saw you at the event. 
if you need any legal help, let me know. Checked out her Instagram, checked out the website. I'm like, I mean, they look pretty legit. I love their mission. I love what they do. They're catered for small businesses, like they're understanding. And I reached out to her and I was like, honestly, I need to properly file an LLC. Can you help me out? And she's like, yeah. And she had a very streamlined process. She's like, this is what we do. This is the steps you need to take. This is how much you need to pay. Here's a breakdown of the cost. And I felt she was very transparent in everything and walked me through what I needed to know. Because I said this earlier, I think it was before we started recording. You don't know what you don't know when you become an entrepreneur. I don't know what kind of stuff I need to do for an LLC. I didn't know what I needed for my contracts. So she did my LLC. I was originally doing all of my contracts through Bonsai, where I was doing invoices and time tracking and everything. And I was like, you know what? I feel like, I think I was maybe six months in. I will say I used Bonsai for a while. It took me a while to make the investment, but I was like, you know what? I think I really need to invest in like some good, solid contracts because I know that the ones I was using weren't super extensive. There were definitely loopholes that if a lawyer had to get involved, they would have been able to get out of a lot of stuff. So I reached out to her and I was like, look, I need contracts. I bringing on two independent contractors, don't really know what terms should be there. And I... I'm expanding my business a lot more. I need some more solid contracts. Again, don't really know what should be in there. Streamlined process. Gave me a questionnaire. Gave me all this information. I had like free consultations essentially where I was like, look, I don't know. Like, do I, should I work with you? Are my contracts okay? They were very transparent and very helpful. And I think that was the deciding factor in who, why I actually worked with them is because I felt like I was supported. I felt like they were transparent and not just trying to sell a service to me. So that's why I worked with them. I had an accountant that I literally, when I first started freelancing, I just Googled accountants near me and I called her up and I was like, look, do I need to have an LLC? Like, I don't know what I need to know. I just started freelancing three days ago, but I want to be prepared so that the IRS doesn't come after me. She was really sweet and she answered all of my questions. And I'm like, should I pay you? I just like took up like an hour of your time. She's like, it's totally fine. And I ended up being able to call her for a lot of like just stupid tax questions because I'm like, I don't know. And then she was my accountant for last year. And then I luckily made a connection with another accountant who he has started his own accounting firm with like four of his best friends who have all worked for the big four and they do all different variations. Again, cater to small businesses, again, super transparent. And so I'm working with them this year. I just really value the transparency and like the idea that I don't feel like you're just trying to sell me on something. You actually want to help me and actually want to support me. And that's kind of how I gauge who I work with, whether it's who I'm hiring. Obviously, you look at the resumes, but if I can tell that you're invested and you really want to help and you're interested, I'm going to hire you over the person who maybe has more qualifications because they're not interested. What's the point? Absolutely. Uh, Charmaine was the attorney that she worked with. She was on my podcast. So I'll link her episode below as well from Level Up Legal in New York City. If you want to learn more about her, we talk about her story. And I I think I, I we were talking about this offline. I wish I could work with her like as an attorney, but I didn't want to relocate to New York and she was only looking for people in New York. But I'm so happy to meet someone who has worked with her because I think that transparency and that process and that yeah it's all about 100% genuinely wanting people to work with you and be a part of your business and watch you succeed and grow and and I I think you can say the same like for me when I comes to hiring as well like 100% the resume is important but I would 
It's a gut feeling that you want to be a part of it. You want to learn and you want to grow and you're willing to take feedback and criticism, but also that you're going to hold me accountable and that I can hold you accountable and that we can learn and grow together and we could build something like, I want you to be a part of this for as long as you want to be a part of it. And I want to really build you up and make you the best damn employee possible. And, and like that to me is so important when hiring and like I only have interns right now, but myself being an employee at a law firm and the way that they got hired me and our relationship and all, like, it's just so, so important. Like that gut feeling and being willing to genuinely want to be a part of the business and see it succeed and grow. That is so, so valuable. And it goes not just for hiring, but for hiring, like with internal, but hiring those out, outside professionals that are going to help you because you cannot do it alone. Like, yeah, we wear a lot of hats as entrepreneurs as we need to, and as we should, because it's our name on the line, but like we can't do it all alone. And when it gets to the point where you do start hiring people to help you run it and, you know, tax professionals and lawyers and business managers and like all of these different professional services, there's a reason why those people exist and like why you need them. And you want to make sure you're finding the right people for you. So I'm glad that we touched on that. And the last thing I wanted to touch on, like you said, like you mainly look at clients who fit the two like big overarching like categories of people you look for women owned businesses and minority owned businesses. Cause you are a minority yourself as am I. And I wanted to ask you like being a minority, has it been difficult in entrepreneurship? Like we talked about being first and second generation American and like that pressure academically, but have you found it difficult being an entrepreneur who is a minority or have you not really struggled with that? Like, I'm curious for people who are like, I can't do that because, you know, like my parent, there there is that academic pressure or for whatever reason, like, you know, they see women only get 2% of VC funding. So like, I'm not going to get it. So it's not worth it. Like, how do you move past that being a minority entrepreneur and a minority and women owned business? I will say, I don't think I faced a lot of struggle exactly. Obviously the struggle is out there. It is tough out there to be a woman. It is tough out there to be a minority in I think it works to my advantage that I only work with minority owned businesses or female founders. So they trust me. We have that shared experience that really helps me. But what really it comes down to is I see when I'm at like these networking events or I'm invited to just like brand events, I am just very much aware of who I am. And that's sort of why I felt the need to start this agency or the need to work with these specific brands because I'm like I was very very aware that I was brown and I was female and I'm like where are my other people I remember when everything was happening in 2020 the agency I was working at was starting this mentorship program and I remember researching 97 percent of PR professionals are white three percent of us are minorities and that's just like the overall minorities and I was like I want other minorities to understand that, again, obviously we have that first generation pressure of doctor, lawyer, engineer, but think of this as a career where you can make money. You just don't, you're not aware because not everyone's telling you this. You don't see yourself in those people. So I want people to know that like, yes, you can be brown and be an entrepreneur. Yes, you can be brown and you can work in PR. You don't have to follow those traditional routes. Obviously, if you want to go ahead, but there are people like us out there. So I haven't personally felt like 
struggle. I luckily am service-based, so I don't really need VC funding. I don't really have to work with men if I don't want to technically. So I kind of am in a good spot, but I do notice that in like networking events, I'm probably one of the very few that are there that are not white. And then there's also the fact that I'm definitely aware that I'm not in the room for a lot of other things. I'm very much aware of that. I try to work past that and try to get myself there. But there is that opportunity where like those opportunities are obviously going to go to someone else because they're in that room and I wasn't invited, nor was I given the idea that that opportunity is even available. But I am kind of pushing through to trying to get there, build those connections and continue to bring my community with me as best as I can. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that was the whole thing for me starting this podcast is being able to share my story and have other people share theirs and make that connection. So you know, we like, if I shatter that ceiling, then I can fold my arm out and bring you along with me or vice versa, or however, like I wouldn't be where I am today had other minority women, Latina women or other Brown women of any kind hadn't yeah. made that step before me and held their door open for me to bring me along with them and for you as well. And like, if we can help each other out, like that's the whole point, like why not? Exactly. And yeah, I'm so glad that we got to touch on that at the end. And I think this conversation has been absolutely incredible. And the sun is out, which makes me really happy. But <laughs> we were talking about that before. But thank you so much, Amber, for coming on the podcast. Where can everybody find you? Pimp yourself out. I'll link everything in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm Miss Amber Sabri. My TikTok is embarrassing. Pretend you don't see those. Um, I'm a new YouTuber. So feel free to go check those vlogs out. And yeah, you can find my business where Azhar PR, Azhar Public Relations, A-Z-H-A-R, Public Relations on Instagram and our website. If you want to work with me, come on over. We're accepting anyone and everyone. Yay. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast and we'll talk to you guys next week. <music>